Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here joined by Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. What's up? And also here with Mikey, also known as Keylock. Yo, how you doing? All right. And for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. And this episode is the best games of 2011. But before we hop into our top 10 list, I do want to talk about a little special something we do on these episodes. You know, top 10 lists or reviews in general are actually pretty subjective. This is no different. Uh, and we're not, we're going to flaunt that a little bit, right? That's what we do here with the lock in system. <laughs> okay. And on the last episode, I think I called it lock picks. And then after I recorded it, I was like, that was a terrible. Yeah, introduction to that system, I don't know right? why the fuck you called it that. <laughs> like, and nobody yet, yeah, nobody said anything. They're just like, look, you do what I, you want. Look, all right, you're the head of this. This is your show. I'm scared to challenge you about certain things. Naming I'm is only, one of them. <laughs> I'm only a man. <laughs> I'm only a man. That's fair. Yeah. Yes. So, but yeah, so the lock, the locking system that we do. Each host had an opportunity to pick a game from each year and lock it into the top 10. So technically speaking, when we were doing our list, we only had seven additional games to pick because the host, each host could bring a game that they were going to lock in. It was going to make top 10 no matter what. So um, it didn't doesn't lock into a specific space in the top 10, but it will at least make the list. And those picks will be announced as they come up. So you can be the judge on whether or not those games uh, deserve to be there. All right. So. Without further ado, let's hop into our top 10 list. Best games of 2011, number 10, Mortal Kombat. NetherRealm rebooted the franchise with a fresh coat of paint and a new story. It went back to their roots of a 2D style fighter and it was like getting reacquainted with a long lost friend. MK9 featured new ways to crush and crack your enemies with fatalities that were a spectacle to watch over and over. To add to that, NetherRealms delivered a cinematic story that was unheard of at the time for fighting games and paved the way for future games like Injustice and future Mortal Kombat entries. All right, first up at number 10, we have Mortal Kombat from 2011, a game that nobody really asked for, but they... <laughs> <laughs> you they, no, it came out great. I think it came out good. This is like well, this was NetherRealm's first like Mortal Kombat. You know, this is this is what started the Mortal Kombat Injustice cycle. Yeah, you know? this was the return from shitty 3D Mortal Kombat to classic 2D Mortal Kombat with with a, but with a combo system and X-ray attacks and the way they handle breakers differently. They overhauled Mortal Kombat in the best way possible. They rebooted the storyline from... They rebooted it, but still acknowledged all the lore from the previous games, which was impressive. Like, how the fuck do you do that? Oh, time travel, duh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was... It was in a, it, this, while the story dialogue wasn't really all that great, the way that they formulate up their chapter, how the single-player campaign would go still carries over even today in Mortal Kombat 11. Like, that format is still there. It's just cleaned up a lot. Yeah, I mean, this this is the game that took fighting game story from not mattering at all to, you know, 
actually mattering, making a difference. Like without this game, you wouldn't get injustice a few years later. You Agreed. Know? Yeah. So, and I think the, and the thing about the dialogue too, like, yes, the dialogue is cringy, but you, I don't know if you really noticed at the time, like when I went to go back to play it a bit now, I'm like, Oh, Johnny cage, Jesus fucking Christ, man. You know, every time right. the guy opens his mouth, <laughs> you know, right. uh, but back at the time, I think you were just so impressed with the dialogue and the fact that it had a story and the story wasn't trash. Like you actually wanted to play through the game to see what was going to happen, to see what was going on, you know? Right. And you so, had online like I, mode for, like, you know, what, the first time ever? Okay, well, you don't and have I'm to. Mortal, and I'm mortal. <laughs> I think there was Xbox Live, I think, for the 3D ones, but I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, like, online still wasn't where it needed to be, but it was there. Yeah, they had, like, <laughs> yeah. the King of the Hill, which I think they're still doing now, right? So yeah, that was something. King of the Hill stills, yeah, King of the Hill's still around. You're right. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Mike. No, I mean, the online's there. It was about on par with every other fighting game at the time. During this age, though, fighting games online weren't very good unless they were running GGPO. So. Right. Now, one thing I did find interesting and the community didn't necessarily like so much was the um, the built-in, like, so the built-in update system that changed character stats without really saying anything like that became a point of contention, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought, so, I mean, that kind of, that kind of tells me that it's, it was, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a fighting game. So they know that people are going to want to play versus and they'll, they want to make it competitive to a degree, but also at the same time, they want it to be able to balance things out very quickly. And that caters to more of a casual type audience. And, I, and they, they didn't continue with that behavior. So that was a lesson learned from them. But, um, yeah, I thought that was, that was an interesting choice. I don't think they they didn't have the full faith that they have in the game now, right? You know, like or in the, in the series now, like. But they they definitely they they pulled everything out. They even had the Mortal Kombat Nine soundtrack with Skrillex because you know he was the hot shit at the time. Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. like they also they had a lot of modes that were just really good. They had those like. Uh, modifier battles that had like like missiles or shit like that on the screen that was just crazy right. for casual stuff and they also had tag battle tag battle does not get enough praise that shit was fun like being yeah. able to do the the tag like that, that shit was good was that the tvc yeah. battles yes oh yeah that was yeah fun. yeah i know right they need to bring that shit back absolutely i i did i you know it's not like my, um uh, i was huge into fighting games over like you know over the past 10 years before that. Right. But the fact that you had the, the modifier fights and stuff like that, uh, brought me back to like soul caliber too. I, I played the shit out of soul caliber too, because of, you know, uh, one, I love the artwork that they had at the end of each story, but two, you know, it, it gave you something to do when you had those modifier fights, fight somebody that's invisible. Um, it's, it's more fun than it sounds, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, like that's what that reminded me of. So uh, Mortal Kombat, I think deserves a place on this list, especially for what it did for, um, well now they're called NRS games, but you know, uh, for American fighting games, you know, yeah, uh, they, put them back on forefront, not yep. to say killer instinct is a piece of shit. I'm just saying like it was an Xbox one exclusive and that didn't help it. I'm going to say, we'll talk about killer instinct at another time. <laughs> all right gonna, you're, we're not going to shame that game right now oh uh, not right now later no. okay no problem <laughs> okay. all right let's go ahead and move on to our next game 
Best Games of 2011, number 9, Bastion. Supergiant Games' first outing was a highly polished and well-received hack-and-slash RPG. While not a very long game, Bastion still left an impression on players with its well-crafted visuals, soundtrack, and narrated story. Each level is unique and provides interesting challenges, and the diverse and flexible gameplay allows players to approach those challenges in a few different ways. Its gameplay and visuals pass the test of time, making it a great game to play almost 10 years later. Okay, coming at number nine, Bastion. I think this is a, a, a surprise game. Like, this came from, uh, remember, like, you know, 2010 is when I would say the indie boom started. Uh, which means, you know, these companies have been developing these games for a few years, and now we're seeing the fruits of their labor. And Bastion was definitely one, it is definitely one of the best games that came out of 2010. You know, not very graphically um, intensive, so therefore it was very accessible, right? You could put it on almost anything. There's still, you know, people talk about Skyrim being on anything. They're still taking Bastion and putting it on, I mean, didn't it just come out for the Switch not that long ago? You know, like they're they're still taking Bastion and putting it out onto different platforms, and it is just as good. It's a great game to play on your PC if you're like you know dedicated into it. You could play it on your couch on the on the Xbox or PS4, and then now you can take it on the Switch on the go. It's a it's a great all around game for any of that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. not it looked looked good when it came out. Still looks great today. Uh, had a unique art style for the time. Um, great soundtrack. Actually, all of the Supergiant games. I had. I don't. The only one I don't have is Pyre. That's the only soundtrack I don't really? have. Pyre's I is Pyre. I never finished Pyre. Like I started playing it, and then my girlfriend came over, and I never turned it back on. I was like, do you, <laughs> do you not like? Do you not like religious basketball? That's what. It, that's what it is. Like <laughs> when I actually got to the gameplay portion of it, I'm like, oh my god, there are slams and jams. Like you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, all of the uh, all uh, the all of the super giant games. And I'm pretty sure it's all Darren Corb uh, who does the soundtrack, and so the soundtrack was great. But then they mixed the soundtrack with the narrator, who I mean, and I can't remember his name, but that was his first time voice acting. And the thing about the narrator of this game is that it's not just a narration that happens; it reacts to the player. You know, if you do something, the narrator might say something about it. Like if you uh, go around like, you know, just like I think when you first get the hammer, if you go around just bashing stuff, the narrator says the kid just thrashed around for a while. Or um, let's say you get a new weapon and if you immediately switch back to the weapon that you had, he says, you know, he got X weapon, but he switched back to something more familiar. You know, something like that. Or if you parry an enemy at the right time or yeah, stuff like that, like it, it narrates the game. As you're playing it, and it just makes it feel, uh, you know, cooler, in my opinion. So that was also, that was a, a sticking point of that game that a lot of people remembered. That, uh, but be- yeah, the narrator's voice was just so amazing. Like, he, like, it was like some kind of, like, radio play, almost. Like, he was, like, that fucking good. Like, it, it felt like he could... He really did just tell the whole story of the game. So, I mean, it was. But like, and I understand that the story was, you know, obviously already pieced together and stuff like that. But it felt like he told the story as you were making it happen, you know. Well, that was the cool thing, too, about Bastion was like, as you traverse through the world, it was just appearing right in front of you as if he was reading it. 
Right, yeah. So that was like really cool. I did like the fact that the gameplay really focused on curated combat, right? Like it didn't focus on getting power-ups or getting loot or getting certain drops. Like the enemies didn't really they dropped uh this currency. I forget what it was actually called, but they dropped this currency that you could use to upgrade your weapons and things like that. But other than that, like, you know, enemies were placed in certain spots of the map with other enemies for a purpose. The combat was very curated, and that's what you that's what makes games like Doom very enjoyable, right? Like the enemies actually have a purpose to give you, you know, a challenge and make you use the tools that you have. You know, I personally felt that that not you know, no weapons were indispensable, in my opinion. Like when certain enemies would pop up, you know, I would use certain weapons. Uh, so that's what I, I, I really enjoyed about that game. Or I, I think you only carry two weapons at a time, but you know, based on, you know, you could be more efficient if you carry the right weapons into the right levels, you know? And then, um, there was benefits to exploring because you could, you know, you might find a new, uh, not necessarily a new weapon, but maybe like a new move or something like that. Uh, upgrades were useful side missions. They actually mattered. You know, I think that there's like a lot of arena. I forget what it was called, but if you like did these little arena missions, I think you got like special moves or power ups and stuff like that. So it was just an all around great game. And I'm pretty sure was that a summer of arcade? I'm pretty sure it was a summer of arcade game. I think it was. It was at one point, I think. Yeah. When it came out. So I, I, I really enjoyed the game. I thought Bastion was great and it definitely deserves a spot on this list. So anybody got anything else? Narrator's cool. That's no. it. That's all yeah. I got. It looks the kid. <laughs> the kid is dope. That's all. Yes, the kid is dope. So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our next game. Best games of 2011, number eight Bullet Storm. Bullet Storm was overlooked by many due to its poor marketing, but those who played it found a fun and comedic FPS that didn't take itself too seriously. Once you get past some of its crude humor, one discovers a solid FPS that encourages players to kill with skill, rewarding players who can use their very arsenal to pull off the multitude of skill shots available in the game. Want to throw someone in the air, shoot a flare up their ass, and watch them fly away? Bullet Storm. Okay, this is a lock-in pick. This is actually my lock-in pick for this year. A game that did not get enough credit, in my opinion, Bullet Storm. Bullet Storm was dope as fuck loved that game and you know, i actually blame epic's marketing department for it not doing that well that's who i blame because the i, I remember the original ad for bullet storm was where they're like the original communication was like kill with skill and they showed you know the point system and they showed the different weapons and they showed how you could throw people in the air or slam people to the ground pull people to you with the leash and then after that all they did was make fun of other games right they had a commercial making fun of Halo 3. They had a, a commercial. They actually, not even a commercial, but they built a uh, uh, a Call of Duty clone that was, like, it was, like, making fun of Call of Duty, essentially. Like, anything you did, like, you got, like, a, um, like perks and, you know, uh, drops and stuff like that. It was stupid. And they really stopped focusing on what made the game good, which is why I skipped the game. I actually did not play that game in, 20, uh, in 2011. I skipped it. And then it got so bad that um, actually did I, I yeah no I didn't play the game in 2011. A few months later, 
after a few months after it came out, it was five dollars on Steam, and that's why I picked it up. I'm like, eh, I'll play it for five dollars. I'm like, yo, I love this game. After I started playing it, because it wasn't nearly as um, uh, uh, slapstick as I thought it was, as as they, they marketed it to be. Like it just it just wasn't like the story wasn't serious, but it wasn't dumb either. You know, and the dialogue wasn't serious, but it was actually the dialogue was actually kind of funny, you know, in, in the game. So I really enjoyed it on top of like the, the gun, the gunplay was a lot of fun. Like the only thing you couldn't do, I'm pretty sure that like I'm, there was no jump in the game. There was no jump in the game. That was the only thing you couldn't do. But if it, when that, and obviously that affects your movement. If the game had better movement, it would have almost been a precursor to Doom to be to, in my opinion. Right. So the the gunplay was great. The array of weapons that you had, like it, it felt like every level was designed to use at least one of these weapons in every in, in some part of the level. Like you can find a place to use weapons. Like there's a there's a grenade launcher that instead of like uh shooting the grenade out at somebody, you can shoot it so that it hits the ground and it bounces, and every time it bounces, it explodes, right? So they have certain areas of the map where the roof is maybe not that high from uh, the ground, right? Or you have, a, um, you have a gun that shoots like a rack of explosives, like a, of, of dynamite, right? And normally you shoot it and it wraps around somebody and they blow up. Uh, but you know, they, there's like light poles and, or some type of pole in every map. So if somebody's close to a pole and you shoot their face with the thing, like it hits their face and then it wraps their face around the pole and then it explodes. You know, uh, you could throw somebody in the air and shoot a f- like, um, basically you have a flare gun. You could throw somebody in the air, sh- throw a shoot a flare up their ass, and then they fly away. You know, and and explode into um fireworks. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like, so it was one kill I got. I actually, um, that's how memorable, like, I remember a very specific kill I got in this fucking game, right? So mm-hmm. the, there's these two enemies close together. Uh, I shot one in the head, and the, the, like, I shot um, the rack of uh, explosives. I, I, I shot that gun and shot the guy in the head, and it wrapped his head around with somebody else's. I used the leash to throw the one guy in the air, and I shot him in the ass with a flare, and two of them fly away you know, and explode into marvelous fireworks. Nice. <laughs> you know, so I, it was a, it was a really fun game to play. Like when I got done with the game, it was one I was like, oh, it's over. Like the ride's over. That sucks. You know, I don't think I like you're the whip. Oh, good. No, it's okay. I just like the whip. That's all I remember. That game is just like, <laughs> oh, the leash, people yeah. and just slamming them down. Like that's most of the only thing I remember. But it was fun and sliding, slide boot kicking people and shit like yeah. that. <laughs> right, yeah. Kicking was definitely very uh, satisfying. Yeah, it was definitely not a game that I played, of course. Um, but I just remember nobody wanted to buy it, but everybody enjoyed it. It was really weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you yeah, said, was... like they just didn't do a good job with marketing. But like, I if agree. you look online, it's good reviews everywhere. It just yeah weird that's because it's a really solid shooter like people can fly made that game and they did an excellent job with the game it was the marketing team that really fucked that one to be honest with you i will also say it was really hard during this time frame of this age it was hard to launch a shooter without multiplayer 
attached to it because everybody was looking at everybody's like, where's your multiplayer? Everybody around this time frame, I know, like, I know I'm talking about like the main, like the general bullshit audience, basically, not the hardcore gamers. Well, I mean, to I, I know, don't get me wrong, this time period was uh, filled with games that did shouldn't have had multiplayer that did because of what she said, right? But I don't know if people were actually, if that was like a prerequisite for people buying games. I know that's what publishers definitely wanted. They wanted every game to have a multiplayer, but that was actually mostly an anti-GameStop move. They're trying to figure out how to stop people from trading in these games and GameStop to do their, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Predatory, you know, the, the, the predatory procedure that they did. Yeah. You know, so, um, which, I mean, just to be just to be clear, GameStop, would only bring in a certain amount. If the, unless the game was like super popular, even if the game was like really popular, they would only bring in a certain amount of games based on how many pre-orders they had. And they did mm-hmm. that shit so that people would trade the games back in and they could put it back in circulation. But that's a that's a that's a that's a conversation for a different podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I I mean, there are some people who are looking for the multiplayer, but um, I don't know. I I really feel that it was mostly the marketing department here. That really kind of fucked us up. The fact that the game got out without a multiplayer was amazing to me. You know, it was so. rare. It was definitely rare to see a shooter come out that didn't have multiplayer tacked on. And I and it, it benefited for it, just like yeah, it, it really. I think in my opinion, it really benefited for it because like you know, uh, they would have had to split their attention between the multiplayer and the single player. You know. And it wouldn't have been as great, but I would definitely, I would highly recommend Bulletstorm. It's number eight on our list. They did have the Bulletstorm reloaded or uh, unleashed or something like that, but they they did a remake of it, uh, which it de- full clip. That's the one, yeah, with yeah. Duke Nukem in it. So you Ooh, know, that was a selling point. And it, uh, I mean, <laughs> if you if you play as Duke Nukem, I will say this: if you play as Duke Nukem. Uh, he has different voice lines than the main character. Duke Nukem is so problematic. I don't even want to give it the time of day. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's go ahead and we will move to our next game. Best games of 2011, number seven. Saints Row the Third. Saints Row III breaks from its mold and becomes more than just a GTA clone. It hardly takes itself seriously, which adds to the charm. With its action-packed gameplay, outrageous missions, and an active city, you'll never be bored running around the city of Steelport. Alright, coming at number 7, another lock-in. This one from Christina, Saints Row III. You locked this one in, so I'm going to let you go ahead and take it. Alright, this game was great. Go play it. The end. <laughs> the end. The end. Can I just can I just but, call out one thing really quickly? Okay. I love sure. that you ha- that your background. No one can see this because we're in audio land. <laughs> but she is like her room is like lit up purple, mm-hmm. and like it is the most appropriate background for her lock in right now. Saints purple <laughs> is probably one of my favorite colors. So my phone is purple. So mm-hmm. it's, uh... Oh wow! But okay. no, I love Saints Row and. I even liked four. A lot of people thought that game was, you know, kind of too far away. But three was really good because I I feel like that game started making a name for itself at three. Two was great, but three kind of got away from the Grand Theft Auto style feel of game. Um, 
And you never knew, like, it was so weird. Like, one scene you're, like, robbing banks. Like, the next scene you're, like, in a strip club. And, like, you're at a party. And then it's, like, everybody starts shooting you. And you're, like, what the heck is going on? Um, so you never know what was going to happen. I, I, this was one of the only games that made me feel uncomfortable kind of playing it, too. Because there's a certain scene with a race that you're rescuing someone that I'm not really going to get into. Um, Why not? That's I, one of the best parts of the game. I was so because I was playing at someone else's house, and I was like, "Oh my god!" If your mom <laughs> walks into the room right now, I don't know how I'm going to explain myself. That's but the why dildo bat you could explain. The the dildo bat I could explain. <laughs> yeah, you're hitting people with a dildo bat. What is there not to explain? Like <laughs> that's self explanatory. But you weren't worried about the mom coming in on that. It but was the no, other thing. It was the other thing. Like, is that dude like? Can, you know, racing down the street with what is he wearing? Like, that's what I was concerned about. Let's stop being so vague. Look, and Saints, if you haven't seen it yet, in Saints Row 3, you do like a dominatrix, like slave race, <laughs> like chariot style. Pony and race. it is awesome. It's a fucking awesome. Also, they that's what they call it. A pony on it called Enter the Dominatrix. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. Oh, well, so was that part? That wasn't part of the main game. That was part of DLC. I played was. it late. But I, I think there was also okay. a DLC on it. Oh my god! Oh uh, okay, yeah. So basically, you had like the dudes with like the the leather pants on, uh, and the uh, the red ball in their mouth, if and you they call were uh, pants. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Well, they were they. Yeah, I forget what the, the chaps. Chaps. The chaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zemos was that his name? He was an interesting character, to say the least. Yeah. So it, that was this thing about Saints Row. Like, I think they really understood that. Okay. We are the last of the GTA clones, uh, and it's not working out. So we're just gonna do whatever we want, and it's gonna be awesome. That's exactly what they did. Like they really, they stopped. Like you know, Saints Row One and Saints Row Two. Saints Row Two started to pull away a little bit, but not enough. And Saints Row Three, they were just like Deep Soul was like, "Fuck it." I mean, we got the we got the IP. Do what you want, and they did an excellent job mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, I love so. like the customization in it, and like. I love games with mini games, and oh my god, does Saints Row have some great mini games? Like, there's just yeah. so much stuff to do, and I love the. I'm sure three still had this where you were claiming territory. I love the territory yeah. claiming part, like just to fill the whole map, you know, with your territory. Mm. Such a great feeling, and building your Absolutely. like apartments and mansions or whatever. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, I like that you really- could be a fat person. That's good. Yes. Yep. The, you, there was, ha- there's not many games where you can be fat in video games. Right. So it was yeah. like kind of cool. Like, like you, your it character has, customization was deep. It has great customization options. And you, you, like you said, people didn't necessarily like 4. But I mean, 4 was just like, it was a superhero sandbox. I had a great, I had a great time. Great. But no, this is what really kicked it off. And I, I enjoy it. I think it deserved a spot. Like I was very, I, I, this is another game that I did not play in the year that it came out. And it was on Steam sale. And I was just kind of like, eh, sure, that game I'll, I'll came out the bucks. same day. <laughs> I think that game came out the same day Skyrim came out. Oh, that's and Marvel it? and Marvel, like they like Marvel, not vanilla, but Ultimate. Like, right? They all yeah. came out the that, same day. That's when they send games out to die. That's what that's what they did to Titanfall, but it lived. <laughs> <laughs> Titanfall too. They said that's that that's a date that you, you. I mean, obviously nobody knew how big Skyrim was going to be until after the fact but you know it's an elder scrolls game and it's gonna be big they sent that game out to die 
you know, but it survived just like Titanfall 2. I can't wait for 2016. (laughs) There are so many many games that have been sent out to die that somehow still got sequels and keep making games. It's impressive. It just shows the strength and how good those games actually are. So, Mm. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our next game. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Best Games of 2011, number 6, Dead Space 2. Dead Space 2 carefully balanced survival horror with action elements so well that it is loved by both audiences. This sequel brought more enemies and bigger scares, but a larger arsenal and more customization options for Isaac. It also laid the groundwork on how to seamlessly merge cinematics with gameplay and fully immerse players in its horrifying world. All right, number six, Dead Space 2. You probably will not hear anything from Christina for the next five minutes. <laughs> is this the eyeball game? Yes. This is the, the eyeball game. <laughs> this is the eyeball game, yeah. This is the uh, this is the uh, the very uncomfortable as I'm doing it. My God, this is so fucking unnecessary. <laughs> like, Did you, you know, die like, on purpose though to see what they would do? Sometimes no, no. I oh, I, don't know. Okay. I can I'm not I for I'm not that type of player. Like I'll generally watch alternate endings, like all alternate stuff on YouTube, but I won't do it on purpose just to see what happens. Like the whole like you know in in near where you pull out your own chip. I'm not gonna do it. Um, I did I totally, that right away. I was like, yeah. "Oh, I'm gonna die. That won't happen." I took it out. I'm like, "Oh, I died. <laughs> that did happen." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so. I totally. I'm not. I didn't do it for all the kills, but if there was like, I did it for the I one. I had to see what happened. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Dead Space Two really expanded on like that. That it almost felt like a dynamic kill system. I mean, I know it was hard work. I watched a, 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 a while ago, I watched a documentary on how they like made that happen. And yeah, there's some, there's some serious shit that happens in dead space too. If you manage to right. uh, run out of health, but you know, a, a lot of people said, you know, a dead space two wasn't as scary as dead space one. And I mean, from an environmental perspective, I would disagree. I think the only reason why it wasn't as scary is because you, it does have more action and Mm -hmm. unlike dead space one dead space two, if you are meticulous and you take the time, you could just have an amazing amount of ammunition for every gun. Right. And also our main protagonist has already been through something like this. Um, So he's a bit, it's kind of like people's comments of Leon Kennedy from resident evil two to resident evil four. Like how he, you know, you're rookie and then all of a sudden you're a zombie slaying badass. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's scary the first time. I mean, well, even look at Alien and Aliens. Like, look at Ripley 
an yep. alien versus Ripley and aliens. Like it's like, yeah, I've seen this shit before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna, then, yeah. So, but um, I mean, I think it, it still came out at a good time because Resident Evil was just not doing that well. Like Resident Evil now is kind of back well, where it should be to a degree almost. It like, is. I mean, to be fair, I don't like Resident Evil five and six. If you look at the sales numbers of Resident Evil five and six, though, shit's stupid. But anyways, that's a whole other topic. That's because it's accessible. That and yeah. that's one of the reasons why Dead Space Two had got more action in it. Survival horror, in my opinion, like there's a lot of people who do like it. It's still kind of a niche, right? Like think of how amazing of a game Amnesia is, but how many people actually played it because they don't want to get the, you know the shit scared out of them. You know, what I'm they don't want to feel vulnerable. They don't want to feel that you know like tense like that. Uh, so right. that, that's why there was just more action in Dead Space Two, but. I would say they only they did waste money on the campaign a bit on like some of the campaign on the uh, marketing campaign because I remember uh, th- that your mom's gonna hate it campaign where they just showed oh, a bunch of moms. that was so dumb probably death scenes is stupid I was like this is a horror game who are you marketing it for like uh, like a uh, you know a, a kid or a twelve year old a fourteen year old my mom's gonna hate it cool. They were marketing as like a body horror action game because around this time frame, remember horror genre was pretty much like saw and hostile and all that kind of shit was still pretty going on with body horror pretty much. Right. So they were really into like, this is gory as fuck. Yeah. Go kids and buy it. Even though it's M 17. I was going to say, but like it's mature. So like your mom's going to hate yeah, it. Like it. Yeah. Cause your parents aren't totally going to buy it for you anyway. Or 17, whatever. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that's happened over this decade is marketing departments have just come way more in line uh with uh with the game development itself and they're kind of like they're doing a better job marketing um i think they hit a fever pitch with uh watchdogs to be honest with you because if you look at the marketing for watchdogs versus actual watchdogs you're like what the fuck is this <laughs> you know that, that's kind of the thing so uh yeah this is th- we're kind of that's one of the things we're kind of dealing with like where if you had tv commercials versus uh you know um what the game actually played, it didn't always match up, you know? Uh, so that was one thing I would say, but I think this game kind of, it, it's a horror game that just throws you right into it. You know, like if you take a look at the intro, I think you're talking like maybe two minutes where it's building up a little bit where you're in the interview and the thing with your girlfriend, where she's all bloody and her face starts to glow. And then after that, the dude, gets uh, injected by the alien and his face fucking explodes and now you got to run to safety you know i get uh, the game starts off fast which isn't normal for like a horror game right horror right. games usually spend a ton of time uh building the atmosphere and making you feel like you're in danger and you're not actually in danger yet right but you this game like you're dead in space and see that like how long it took for the first dead space to get going versus dead space 2 yeah like you get started like immediately uh, which kind of happens when you expect the people, like, you know, when you expect your audience to be the people who played the first one, you know. Um, I would say there isn't a ton of changes to the game, but lots of quality, uh, quality of life improvements to the game. Right, and that was fine because the main game of Dead Space was, I mean, I'll be honest, it was Resident Evil 4 with precision de- decapitation. With right. Body part. And, I mean, and they did it so well why fuck with it you know exactly like i think you had like five maybe four or five new weapons 
some of the weapons that you had got improvements and there are more suits, right? We have the little fashion show every time you change a shoot, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that's, they, they have more suits. I would say the visuals in my opinion were vastly improved. Like some people, that's another uh, area of contention for some people, in the series, because the first dead space was, it felt scary because you're like in this old decrepit, like mining ship and everything's kind of like gray and rust and, you know, stuff like that. And your suit is clunky and you don't move that well. And that really changes uh, with this game. Like, you know, you're moving areas, right? You're no longer in this decrepit mining place anymore. Now you're on this uh, the space station where people actually live. So there's shops and there's lights. I mean, it's still a dark game. Don't get me wrong, but some areas are colorful, you know, and they, and they in my opinion, they use that to their advantage. Like, one of the scariest things you could do in a horror game to me is have fucking kids in that shit. Like that, <laughs> that, 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 like that is some scary shit. So when any, like when, like as soon as I saw, I was getting ready to walk into a daycare in that game. I turned it off for the night. I was like, I'll get this tomorrow when the light when the sun's out. <laughs> you don't want to deal with the 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 necromorph babies. Like, yeah, I didn't want to deal with that. Like, even games, even games that aren't scary, like um, Prey, like the original Prey, uh, where you um. We come across like the school bus for the first time and it starts to light up and the spirits of the dead kids come out, you know. So like I'm like, oh god damn it, children. And then like, you know, you go into another area and you hear him singing nursery rounds like fuck, kid ghosts. Again. <laughs> you know. <It's, laughs> I'm kids not are with scary, it. man. I was gonna say, kids, kids are, are scary. already scary. I don't need them in a horror game. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah, that that's that's kind of the thing. So um but yeah, I mean, like the visuals, like I was saying about the visuals, you know, when you go into like the daycare of Dead Space, it's like colorful, but it's like dark, like the lights are off, but you could tell it's still colorful and stuff like that. Uh, you know, see, that was cool. I think one of the one of the coolest areas in any game I've played ever is the Church of Unitology in Dead Space 2. Like they, that was some very purposeful design there. Right, like if you start right, so when you first go into the Church of Unitology, it looks like a like a shop or like a, like, a, like a normal place, like a mall front or something like that. And then as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, it gets more and more religious, <laughs> essentially. Right, there's like essentially like a tomb in the place, and they perform religious rites there. And the I'm pretty is that the first place? I don't know if that's the first place you fight the Raptors, or is that the second place? But I, I think that's the first place where you fight the fucking Raptor enemies. Right, you know, you do you know what I'm talking about. They, I know they what travel. you're talking about, yeah. but like, I don't know where you actually. I'm with you, and like, I don't remember where you first see them. It was an AI, like it was a. They usually traveled in packs of three or so, and it was an AI. I'm trying to describe it for Christina here so she can get the full impact. But it was like Jurassic Park, where like you know they like you'd have one that try to distract you, and another one could try to come from the side and fucking kill you, you know. And yeah, it, and then like when they were like, so they would do this thing where they would like peek around corners like they'd be a box and they'd be you know peek around a corner or peek above a box and then while you're looking at the one above some another one will come from below and try to like you know slice you like oof those are some intense fights sounds so. great <laughs> <laughs> but it was an excellent it was a it was an excellent game like the church of Unitology, especially if you played it on pc right if you played that game on pc you really got a a chance to really you know get immersed into that into that area 
So I thought it was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed the story. Um, it was a couple plot holes, but no big deal. But overall, I really thought it was good. Oh, and another thing that uh, unless you played it more than once, you you may not realize, but the the enemies don't always come from the same places either. So like, let's say you go through an area, you die, right? And you go back through that same area, the enemy might come from a different location, you know? And the game was just more cinematic in general. The game already had a great HUD. Uh, in my opinion, I'm trying to think who has a... I would say Gears of War has the cleanest... No, sorry, no. This game has the cleanest HUD. Gears of War has the second best HUD in gaming because it's, like, almost non-existent. Every element of the HUD in Dead Space, and this is just a, a kind of a holdover from Dead Space 1, is on something in the game, right? So your health is on your back. Like, you have, the, like, you're down in your spinal cord. There's this thing that shows you your health. The gun ammo is on the side of the gun. You know, there's no there's no space wasted. Things don't just kind of pop up. Even your menu, like, it's like a little hologram that pops up from your character. They, so. they basically want to make sure that... Because here's the thing with horror games. You are only immersed in this as much as the environment is. So the right. more that there's a menu or a pop-up or an attache case or, you know, whatever you have to do that pulls you, it's a way to stop the horror from happening. When you start Dead Space, you're in. You're, there's no yeah. coming out of it, basically. You're in that world, and you have to deal with it pretty much. Yeah, it's very immersive. And going from Dead Space 1 to Dead Space 2, another thing that they, they made better, and more, and it led to a more immersive game, are the transitions between areas because, you know, it was, you would go into like a train or an elevator or something like that and you'd be safe. That's a safe spot in Dead Space. In Dead Space 2, it is not. Like, you'll be in an elevator and some shit will just fall from the sky. It's like, what the? Again, yeah. You know, you'll see how your reflexes flare then. You know what I'm saying? Are you just going to sit there and die or are you going to be pulling the trigger frantically? It's always the most <laughs> fucked up thing that game devs do. It's like, oh, hey, this is totally safe. This is great. You're you're happy here. All of a sudden, flip. Nah, fuck you. You're screwed. Get out. Yeah. This, ain't, this ain't safe no more. I hate that. Yeah. I hate when you yeah, feel so safe and then they're like, ha ha, got you fooled. <laughs> yeah. So you either had that or you had basically like, you know, a cinematic that pulls you from area to area, right? Like when you're going from there's like one cinematic where you're in zero gravity and you get sucked into this thing and now you're like, yeah well you don't get sucked into it, you fly into it and now there's no gravity but you're falling to the ground and you manage to land on the ground and almost immediately something comes and like grabs your ankle and pulls you away you know into the next area so yeah it's a really smooth transition from area to area it's a great game you know is it the scariest game no like you can like I said if you're meticulous with it you can. Um, kind of like just make sure you stomp on everything and grab all the ammo you need. Okay, but, that is one thing that annoyed me is like the stomp animation got really fucking tiring, and hearing the same fucking sound effect from it over and over again was kind of annoying. Well, that's, that's why it's not. That's why it's number six, Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but okay, I just have to clarify why this is number six: the stomp yeah. animation. <laughs> stomp animation, yeah, specifically just that. <laughs> All right, but go ahead. Let's move into number five. I know this is going to get some reactions, but here we go. Best games of 2011, number five. Skyrim. Skyrim is arguably one of the most successful video games of this decade and likely the most talked about game of 2011 and possibly 2012. Skyrim's scale, depth, and level of player freedom brought new meaning to the open world genre. 
Though it had its fair share of problems with bugs, players remember more of the good times than the bad. And a decade later, Todd Howard is still releasing it on additional platforms. Okay, yes, you heard that right. Number five, Skyrim. Not number one Skyrim, as I'm sure a lot of people will think it deserves. But it is number five on this list. And I, I, I said earlier, you know, game lists and reviews are subjective. And unfortunately, on this panel, I don't think there's anybody here that really enjoyed I was gonna say, Skyrim all that much. We all basically agreed <laughs> on this. <laughs> so... It's literally here out of the respect of we understand what this game did for the world. We get <laughs> the world. it. <laughs> but like, I, mean, I don't I, like it. <laughs> <laughs> like I do under like, yeah, I mean, the the game gets respect because I mean it's massive, right? I mean, people yeah. love this game. I really do think that it was more of the console community that really made this game what it was, right? I know I don't really I really never even though the PC if I saw people playing on PC it was because of the mods right it was because of the modding system like you know changing the dragons to macho man or making it rain cheese or something like that right that's cool and was it (laughs) this the game that started Bethesda making mods for console or allowing mods for console and figuring all that out was it this game was it I don't think that was allowed I thought was it was it not Skyrim Fallout 4 was it? I don't know. I think I swore it was scary, but I could be wrong. No. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, I am like 90% sure that's like a Fallout 4 Xbox One thing. And then they were like, oh, we're doing it for Skyrim too. Yeah, what maybe. year did Fallout right. 4 come out? What year was Fallout 4? Like Much three later. Three years ago, I think. I don't know. <laughs> was it 2017? Anyway. Yeah, either way. But, Doesn't um, matter. I'm going to say I was wrong. Yeah. So, that's, um, yeah. Yeah, I know for like my personal experience with Skyrim, I I tried playing it and I was like kind of bored anyway. And then I had to go look for like this mammoth. That was the mission, looking for a mammoth. And I go to the area on the map and I'm like, there's no mammoth here. There's nothing here. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a mammoth falls. Uh, it, uh, it spawns in the sky, <laughs> falls to the ground, explodes, and I get credit for the mission. I'm just like, you know what? I'm out of here. And that that was my that's when I was done with with, with Skyrim. But um uh, the Skyrim in general like I, I understand that a lot of people really liked it and I think it was more of a console thing cuz for a console game it was extremely expansive. Like if you want to give Bethesda kudos for something that it, that like they managed to t- like this have this massive world and make it work with the PS3 at the time and make the it Xbox work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the PS3, well, I mean, by the time the PS3 and the Xbox 360 were coming to their end of life, which, let's be honest, the end of life for the PS3 and Xbox 360 should have happened like three, four years ahead of when it actually did. Um, that, like, developers were squeezing every last available drop of power out of those consoles, you know, to the point where some games couldn't even maintain 30 FPS. You know, that's crazy. Uh, but, like, you know, Skyrim ran well enough, like, for in terms of, uh, in terms of like, frame rates and stuff like that. And if you didn't necessarily, like, if uh, th- there's just nothing else like it on console, right? On PC, I think you had more options, you know? Like, you, I think on PC you had a bit more options, but on console there's almost nothing else really like that. 
and so many people got sucked into it. You know, they got sucked into that fantasy world. I think that was a it being so prevalent on console. A lot of people who normally don't deal with fantasy got pulled into a fantasy world. I know guys who were military shooter only Call of Duty. Like you know, they would play Call of Duty, but then like you know when um uh I'm trying to think it was Black Ops that got a bit more futuristic. Uh, Black Ops Two and Black Ops Two. I'm not gonna play that shit. That's that shit's not real. Like, dude, Call of Duty's not real. Okay. <laughs> and then they <laughs> play know. Skyrim, which is definitely <laughs> the most yeah, realistic game. This is like they're coming out a little bit. Like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> I I like oh fantasy. It, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. I'm just saying. Like, not saying everybody was like that, but I know some real tough guys who would not play anything besides like realistic shooters like i mean you only get credit for playing a realistic shooter yeah like if you're not playing arma i don't want to hear anything about realistic (laughs) shooter okay (laughs) i think my problem with skyrim was like the same thing happened where like i just kept running into bugs and i was like i can't do that like i would do something and then run into the bugs wouldn't the p didn't the ps3 have a save issue where if you saved in the auto save slot your game could get deleted or if somebody else started a new game something like that so like devastating. I think I think for me the game had a little bit too many bugs to be excusable and that I just didn't have enough direction, right? Like I like The Witcher cuz I'm following a, the storyline yeah. of a specific character and I I'm invested in what he's doing and what's going on where Skyrim's like build your own story like uh, I don't really want no, to. No, that's that. what I paid you for. Yeah. That's what I paid you for. Like <laughs> I'm going to sound really hypocritical in like 10 minutes, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um. No, I I totally agree. That was another thing with Skyrim. It was kind of like, what am I supposed to do? Like, where am I going? Like, I expect to get to to the marker. And then, uh, yeah, like that's the story continues from there. But I found myself doing things that felt out of order. You know, like at some point I was like a werewolf. And some shit like that. Like, you know, like, I'm like, wait, this doesn't seem right. I just got in here. Like, they just met me. I'm a werewolf now. Like, what's going on? Th- <laughs> you know, so. I think a lot of people, though, that are like, that didn't play the previous um, Elder Scrolls game, but like, maybe they're like into D&D or whatever. And they played this game. They're like, oh, it's like D&D, but like in a video game. Like, I think that's really cool right. from that mindset. But it's just, I don't know. Not. My style of game. And like I said, I thought it was just a little bit like one too many bugs to be excusable from, you know. My yeah. Game. I mean, it truly is a sandbox game. It's big. You know? It is massive. It is, it's massive and you can kind of do your own thing. I know somebody who all they did, they played Skyrim every day and all they did was cook. They would go gather inv- ingredients and then cook. That's all they did. And they absolutely loved it. I mean, if that's how you want to spend your time. That's great. Um, but that wasn't for me, and especially not in 2011. You know, we were we were hot in 2011, man. We were reviewing all types of shit. <laughs> you know, so yeah, 2011 was a good year. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've said my piece about everyone. I, if you've ever listened to me talk about Bethesda game, you know it's pretty much like I don't put up with fucking bugs, like especially mm-hmm. like memory wiping bugs, like game Oof. save deletion bugs. I'm out. I'm not, I don't got the like, time. Like, why even bother? Like, why like, even bother? Yeah. yeah, like, the minute I see that, I'm like, I'm bouncing from your game. Like, I've bounced oh, from good hours? games. Like, yeah, like, I've bounced from good games that have gotten high reviews because I'm like, you have a save delete bug. Well, no. that's what, 
that's what kept me from playing other M when they found that bug where if you like went back and saved and you get locked out the room and you had to send your save card to Nintendo to fix it. Yep. I was like, oh no. I yep. I'm not even gonna bother. Yep. I'm not even gonna bother. Yeah. Child of Light had an auto save bug um that Ooh. I that I lost I probably lost thirty like twenty something hours of gameplay and I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to see the end amount bounce. And Child yeah. of Light's a great fucking game. I love that game. I hope like, they com- fix it. I, it's on my list to play. I've just never played it. Oh, it's fixed now. But like, I oh, okay. bef- I just don't care. I'm like, I'm on to other things and I've, you hurt my feelings. Sorry. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I don't deal with buggy games. I just don't. I refuse. Yeah. Nah, I, I feel you. But uh, I think we've, we've talked about our number five pick that we don't like for long enough. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> If you're if you're still here, thank you for sticking around. Yeah, <laughs> here we here we go. Here, don't do the next one. Best games of 2011, number four, Minecraft. Minecraft came out of nowhere with its unique full sandbox gameplay style. Minecraft blew up almost overnight and is as popular now as it was at its release. With its constant updates and content releases, Minecraft is most likely a game that will always be relevant. All right, at number four, Minecraft. Not a lock-in. I thought this was Christina's lock-in, but this is her shit. This is her game. I, I will, I will yield the floor to you. So I will say that this was a strategical pick because I was a little bit more concerned about Saints Row, but there's no way Minecraft is not going to go on this list. <laughs> like I would not not let it on this list, um, but Minecraft is great. I'm gonna just start that every single game. I'm gonna start that with it is great. Um, well, I, it's in the top ten out of like I don't know like 700, <laughs> so I would hope so. <laughs> um, I don't. It's just I feel like something we haven't seen before. I know I just said oh I hate that Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of make the game for yourself, but that's what I love about Minecraft. But the whole idea for Minecraft is you're doing what you want and you make the game for yourself, right? Exactly. That's that's a different story than buying an adventure game when you have to make your own adventure. Like, yeah. you know, but Minecraft isn't an adventure game. It is a it is a sandbox it's game. It's a twenty dollar so. game that you can do literally whatever you wanted. And here's the problem is if somebody goes like, Oh, you play Minecraft, what do you do in that game? I'm like Mm-mm, I, I don't know. Shit. Fight I things. I don't know. Breed cows. Kill things. You, wait, you could breed cows? Where have you been? Bro, I don't play Minecraft. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I am. I don't create shit. I play other people's shit. Well, you don't I'm not have creative to create enough to it. You just, if you build like a hut or whatever, like that's cool. Yeah, you don't have to that's create creating. anything. Whatever. You can dig a hole in the ground and live in the ground. That's creating. It's all about adventuring if you want it to be. This is like you're pitching to me like little big planet people pitch to me, and I'm like, this isn't my thing. You go to the nether, you can go to the end. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's I'm not gonna debate that it's great. I'm not here to debate <laughs> that at all. I'm just saying Minecraft isn't my jam. I know. I just people do say, Oh, well, I'm not good at creating, but you don't have to be. You can do anything you want in this game. And that's the great thing about it. And Minecraft has done like a lot of things, actually. Like it's I feel like opened a new generation to like mods. Like that's not even something I thought about because I didn't even think about like 
PC games that much. And then Minecraft came out and I'm like, whoa, you can mod it. And then they had Hunger Games, you know, original Battle Royale, whatever. I'm not going to argue that now. Um, but they also have like school programs, like even to this day that teach kids a bunch of things like how redstone power works and like just like overall creativity. Kids can just go in the classroom and just create things in Minecraft. And they have like whole, like I said, classes and summer camps and stuff like just around Minecraft alone. Yeah, because like they have like the Minecraft EDU, so I think there's like you can they teach physics with Minecraft, they teach programming with Minecraft. Like it is, it is like a it's a dev toolkit on steroids. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's like you know, just like Gary's mod was right. Like it's a dev toolkit on steroids, so that the average person can make things happen. And the fact that I mean, de- you would think like something like Gary's mod was like an anomaly right but then like you know notch comes out with minecraft I, i'm assuming he assuming he had been working on that you know not that like well, well i guess gary's mod was out for a long time but you know he had been wor- working on, I, I would imagine gary's mod was his inspiration for making minecraft and they have just taken it and ran with it uh i don't know how people feel now that microsoft has it but i really haven't heard any complaints about it they have it but i don't uh... They haven't really been pushing too many things. I think the concern when Microsoft got it was that, oh, Microsoft's going to try to, like, squeeze money out of this or, like, try to make it somehow exclusive or whatever. But that's not the case. They're kind of just letting it do its own thing. Um, right. Which is cool. I do think that just Minecraft existing did create that kind of. And this goes along with Skyrim coming out in that same year that everything had to be open world from this point on like every game ended up being open world and that did not work for every game so nope. usually when they have that mentality like it doesn't really work out that great Mm-mm. but i love minecraft and i play it to this day i'll create a server and then you guys can join me mm, okay I'm well go ahead and make happen. some cool shit and then well, i was gonna say well, make some I, cool shit and i'll i'll, I'll join you <laughs> Yeah, I'm on Mike's uh, Mike uh, Mike's program though. It's like I'm paying you to make the cool shit, and I'll play it. Like that's kind of how I want to roll. Oh. So, but let's uh, go ahead and move. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and move into our next game. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Best games of 2011, number three. Infamous 2. Infamous 2 showed that lightning can strike twice, with Sucker Punch improving on the already great superhero formula it had created with the original Infamous. It made great strides in almost every element of the game, 
great story and character development, slick combat and powers, better AI, and a fun city playground for Cole to get around. Infamous 2 showed how to get a superhero game made right. All right, so this is where shit starts to get interesting. We are at number three, Infamous 2. This was actually a lock-in from Mike, which was very surprising because he has known me. You've known me for almost 10 years, and there is no way this game was not making it into the top five at least. At least. Infamous 2 is one of the best games to come out on the PS3 and probably and I, it is going, I am going to fight for it to make the best games of the decade list because this game is fucking phenomenal. I mean, you could try, but it's number three on this list. It's all it gonna, is number I'm, three. It, it's I'm number gonna, three. On I'm this just going to, I mean, I'm just going to point out these other two games ahead of it that we're not going to talk about right now are more likely to make it on that list than that game. That's all I'm saying. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, this was a lock for me. I don't know why I doubted that this would make. It. I don't. I, this was just a dumb lock. I'm not even gonna say like this was just this really dumb lock. But I had to make sure that this game made it because I was worried it would be overshadowed by things like Skyrim or Minecraft or something like that, possibly. But uh, basically, this game improves everything from the first game and then some and more. Like it. It's it it's got its visuals improved, the gameplay improved, the stories it made like the fucking game is just so goddamn good. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I mean, usually when uh you know you uh, they give a game a, a name, right? It's usually about something that happens in the game, like you know uh, Mass Effect. It's Mass Effect relays, Uncharted because you know they're going to uncharted places. Infamous is a feeling or it's a status that you get in the game in both one and two, by the time you again, I'd say I wouldn't say the same thing happens in second son, but in both infamous one and two, you are infamous, whether it's infamous for being good or infamous for being evil in that game. And it is phenomenal. Like, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the moments that I remember from Infamous two the most is the first time you go to fight Bertrand, uh, when he's in his mutant form, you know, but you don't see that yet, right? All you know is that people are running. There's a huge cloud in the middle of New Orleans, like you know, there's a huge smoke cloud in the middle of New Orleans, and people are running away from it, and you are running into it, you know. And I think I'm pretty sure they cut the music while that's happening. Like, the music's not playing, and all you hear is the screams of people, and they're running away, and you hear explosions, and it's really hectic, and you get into the middle of this cloud, and then. This giant monster comes from out, comes from the cloud, and you can see it finally. And that was an amazing moment. Like Infamous Two, they just did an amazing job with it. I was a little when they came out with Second Son, it just didn't feel the same. Like especially because Cole was not the main character, right? You know, I thought the story was good. I kind of, I think the story from the first one was a little bit better, only because. You like you know it turns out that you know you are the villain, uh, you know, or the guy who's the villain is actually you from the future, which is some pretty cool shit. And these two games really flow well together, right? The the first one, the second one, right? It, it feels like one whole story, yeah. Uh, where where a second one doesn't because the first one is really like just setting you up for the second one. It feels like you know. It's like, you know, you, you, you're, 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 you came back from the future to prepare yourself for this huge fight 
and then huge fight happens in the second game. Like you have two games where they build up for this huge fight, and it's just really dope the way they did. And they just like Mike said, they improved on everything, right? You know, you have more electrical powers just to begin with, but then you can combine that with other powers like heat and cold and stuff like that. Your choices, well, certain choices in the game affects how it goes. Like you can get one of two different endings depending on like your final choice. And then you get one of two different power sets depending on your final, not final choice, but depending on the choice that you make, you know, in the game, you know? Yeah. So the, uh, the level design though, like so good. Like they made traversal in that game. So fun. Like just chaining off, like jumping from like poles to the, to the, to the buildings off of all that kind of, and then the, the, the rail grinding. Right. And all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think like jump like in the, the you know with Infamous One, you really just need to hop on the rails and just ride the rail till you got close to where you need to go. But in this one, like you can cut clear across town by using your high jump and getting on a power line and doing a high jump off of that and getting to a roof and you know maybe using your float ability to get you to another roof tube where you can do another high jump and then hop onto a rail that's above you know stuff like that. It was super easy to get across the city, uh, super fast. And you didn't feel sluggish at all. Then you can still kind of use that movement to your advantage while you're in, you know, combat. Mm-hmm. Like you can go directly from moving at top speed and hop directly into a fight from that. You know, right? And there were levels that were like you had to be a master of movement because your powers are electricity. If you get into water, fuck yeah. you. Like, (laughs) and there was like an entire area of the city that was completely like flooded. So like, if you weren't using your mobility powers to your, to the max, like you were having a bad time in that zone. But like, if you nailed it, like that zone felt so fun and just great. Absolutely. And the combat was like frantic, right? I was like, it's not like a superhero, uh, fighter, like, uh, or a combat game. Kind of like even with the new Spider-Man, right? Where, the movement area or the traversal area is different from when you actually get into fights, right? Or you get into there's just these like staged fights where people kind of surround you and you're almost in this little box as you're fighting people. And Infamous, Infamous almost plays like Doom a little bit where you kind of like you movement, like you need to move around during fights. Like you can't stay still, right? right? You can't stay still. You can't wait for your enemies to react or do something and you react to it. Like, you actually have to be actively engaged in fighting an enemy and then react as another enemy tries to do something to you, mm-hmm. you know? So, I did yeah. like how they improved the melee in this game a lot better. The melee combat in this game was so much better than the original. with that Because oh, yeah, they added the amp. They added they the amp, yeah. They gave you the amp, which was ugh, so good. Right, yeah. So, no, they, they did a good job. The dialogue was good. I mean, the dialogue was good in the first game. That because I'll be I'll, I'll be the first yeah. one to tell you the dial the the game the first game looks like shit it did it looked like ass <laughs> you know but the dialogue was good and Cole's voice was terrible in the first game he sounded like Christian Bale Batman and the look didn't fit it was bad like his voice acting was bad but the dialogue was still good and the story was good like when Zeke betrays you in the first game and the way he looks at you you look at him. That shit hit my soul, <laughs> you know, in the first game. Right. That, that was a, a huge moment, you know. Uh, in the second game, they did make the improvement of changing the voice actor for Cole to be more human. I would say not not necessarily more human, but more 
it fit him way better. You know. Well, they also well didn't this game also have like a faux pas about they changed the look of the character and everyone was up in an uproar and they had to change it back or something like that. I think they changed his look and then they well that's the thing like they changed I think they changed his look a little bit too much they uh, to them they probably he probably just upgraded the look because he looked like ass in the first game but they tried to just take that ugly ass texture and make it look the same but better. You know, well, so yeah, they basically they gave him hair. They made him look very Nathan Drake looking from what I'm looking at screenshots or whatever. Right. And then they had to revert him back to like being like the old style or whatever. Yeah, but just not looking like trash. Yeah, you know? pretty much. So but you know, Infamous Infamous deserves a spot on this list. Like it was an excellent game. All right. Mm-hmm. So with that, we will go ahead and move into number two. Best games of 2011, number two, Portal 2. Portal 2 is a masterclass in game design, as Valve delivered an unforgettable game with Portal 2. Witty dialogue, amazing puzzles, and building a world around what started as an extra in the orange box, Valve hit it out of the park. Top it all off with an amazing and unique co-op experience, it's no wonder Portal 2 is as high as it is on this list. All right, coming in at number two is Portal 2. I'm and so fucking mad. You're mad <laughs> that this is number two? I'm salty. I am mega <laughs> salty about this. This but game yeah. was, I mean, don't get me wrong. This game was phenomenal. This like, game it, is it, fucking perfect. It is? The, like, this is, I don't, like, there, there are very few games that I would be like, this is a perfect game. This is one of, like, maybe five games in existence that probably I would think is perfect. It is an amazing game. Like I would, I wouldn't say it's perfect because they removed a puzzle type so that it will play on consoles better. But oh my uh, God. hey, man, they they did they removed speed puzzles from the game because they they, they, they removed speed puzzles, but they added speed uh, gel. So okay. they added speed gel, but you don't have like you you would never had to do a puzzle where you were moving fast and had to move your portal gun from one place to another really fast. You know. The speed gel was actually more about setup. The speed gel was about setup. That's true. You didn't have to do twitch uh, maneuvering of the portal gun to make it hit different locations or whatever like that too much. Right. Or at all. But no, you're right. I mean, like from start from they actually changed the end of the original portal right before this game came out. Yeah, they patched it. it, And they released a music video that explains how you got into the begin into the opening sequence of the game. Right. Well, I mean, because the original Portal was like, it was like a bonus game with the orange box that no one knew anything about and was like a testing ground. Dude, it was a tech demo because the Portal gun was supposed to be in Half-Life 2. Right. It was supposed to be in Half-Life 2 and it didn't make it in. So, but no, like, I mean, you really can't say anything bad about it, right? Great writing, great voice acting from the start. And that's, I mean, for a game where you're, a game where you are literally by yourself the entire time. You don't feel alone at all, you know, like it just feels really good. And there's just so much uh, this world building and you're in, you're in one well, two buildings in this one the entire game, you know, uh, and I think, yeah, I can't they, 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 I can't think of a single um, issue with any of the voice acting or dialogue or anything like that. They have more puzzles. So. You know, they did remove one puzzle type, but they also didn't add new. They added gels. 
They added light bridges. They added tractor beams. They added lens blocks. They really expanded on this game. Isn't there like so. a, a modern gameplay style based just on that gel too? Oh, yeah. The paint gun testing initiative. Mm-hmm. Whoever made that mod did an excellent job because it has voice acting and it is long too. I mean, I would still, if you, it's free. Just go like install Portal 2. And you can get the te- the paint gun testing initiative. So no, that was that was worth it. That was really good. Yep, I I can't. And this game had co op. Like they put a separate story co op mission in this like campaign in this game that was freaking amazing. Like at least well at least for one time playthrough. I guess that's the one negative thing I can say about this game is it's really hard to play through it multiple times. Exactly. That is the that is the one downfall of Portal. Like once you play through it, like that's it. So I have a really you know? bad memory, so I might try to play through it again soon. No, like <laughs> this is a great game to put on your shelf for like ten years and then be like, I don't remember anything about this game. Let's play it again. I also didn't <laughs> beat multiplayer because it's hard to find like another person to like sit down mm-hmm. and play through a whole campaign. So that's why I never finished a way out, even though it was pretty good. Like I just don't right. finish games as yeah. is, but to rely on yet another person. Uh. But the crazy insanity you get from killing each other with the light bridges and the co-op <laughs> missions. <laughs> yeah. just, there's a lot of like trial and error figuring out like how to warp your mind around having two portal guns and what that really means and what that can do. Like they, I like, yeah, like I don't, there's, I can't say anything bad about this game other than like you can't it's hard to play this game multiple times and have the same experience like this is one of those games that I I, I would say a lot of people ask the question of like if you could wipe your brain and replay one game I think I would wipe my brain and play this like just to play just to play this again like for the first time like because you can never play portal again for the first time well that's any that, is, game. that is true well, yeah, but like there, but like there are games that are like you can kind of do things differently, and it'll pan out differently, and stuff like that. Blah blah blah. But like once you've played through the puzzles of Portal, there's no that aha moment again. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you you can't get two. the same feel. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you can't you, you can't get that same feel again. Like you can, like you know, if you play God of War and then reload it on. Uh, you know, um, new game plus, and you can still kind of get the same feeling from those from those fights and stuff like that. But unfortunately, that's the thing about Portal. Like, you literally have to rely on the community to make mods. Actually, Port- the original Portal had a great mod that I cannot remember the name of, but it was like I'm pretty. The puzzles were way harder. Was it the and rat story guy? The guy? No. With the- okay. No, it was like well, the puzzles were way harder, and on top of that, like it was like four times the size of the original portal game so yeah you really had to rely on the community to to kind of build stuff so uh yeah that is that is the only negative thing about portal like once it's done it's like it's actually like watching a movie you know once it's done it's done uh, you can still go back and appreciate the cave johnson voice lines and stuff like that and oh, kudos to valve for that cave johnson marketing campaign they did oh my god it was so, so funny good. It's yeah. so quotable. Everything in that game is just so quotable. Like, <sighs> yeah, it was an excellent game, but it is number two. Let's go ahead and get to number one. 
best games of 2011, number one, Batman Arkham City. Batman Arkham City was the hero game every other hero game wanted to be. Moving from the asylum to the expansive open world was a welcome change, and combining that with new tools, smoother fight mechanics, better boss fights, and an exhilarating story made it a worthy successor to Arkham City. The game was a visual feast that did not let fans down. Once again, you were the Batman. Alright, coming in at number one, Batman Arkham City. This game is fucking dope. I mean, <laughs> it is. If you if you don't have the Arkham games, I don't think you're making serious superhero games. You know, like that they, they showed that you could take hero IPs and take the core. I mean, they did this with Arkham Knight, right? And take the core of what of that hero and actually turn it into a game. You can do that, right? And basically, you know, Arkham Knight was um, was excellent. Had a couple issues, mainly with the bosses, right? The boss fights were super repetitive, you know, in Arkham. And then the fi- even the final boss fight uh, against the Joker wasn't that great. And I think they really, uh, they really ironed that out and they fixed it. And one thing that, you know, you could have been concerned about is this game, you know, was going open world versus Arkham, Arkham Asylum. And usually that means trouble. But not only do they make the game open world, they still had all the excellent stuff that made Arkham uh, Arkham uh, Asylum great in Arkham City, you know? And it was super easy to tra- traverse the world, you know? Like, I think they just did an excellent job. Had great music. Like, I love the soundtrack of Arkham of uh, Arkham City. Uh, excellent voice acting. You know, you had Mark Hamill as Joker. Uh, you know, you had, um, oh my, what is his name? Kevin Conroy, yeah. So we had Kevin Conroy as you know, Batman again. And uh, the only, I would say the only negative thing is that they did stuff a lot of the Batman enemies into, into, into this game. I don't see the problem with that. It did. <laughs> I don't, I don't see the problem of like, cause Batman's like one of what makes Batman lore so good. honestly is like the villains in Batman are so fucking well done. Like Batman sings. I think Batman's a great character on his own, but because of who he has to go up against just raises him even up to an even higher level. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it, the only problem I have with this game is in my, like, so there's actually a lot of people who do like the end of the game. Like they like the story, uh, the end of the story, but I was disappointed that you're, you never got to fight Hugo strange or anything like that. That really should have been like a Batman mirror match. You know, uh, that was a missed opportunity. So that was the, that would probably be my only problem yeah. but on the on the upside you did get to play as Catwoman. so <laughs> i thought the twist ending was good but i hated the final boss battle itself if that makes sense like Against, i liked yeah Clayface. yeah i don't yeah I, it's been long enough yeah uh <laughs> especially because they like telegraph it in arkham asylum so well because yeah. actually if you in arkham city if you detective mode joker at all, you notice he doesn't have any uh, skeletals or yeah. anything in there, just like Clayface doesn't in Arkham uh, Asylum. So, like, right. you could piece it together if you're paying attention, but um, yeah. 
The only thing I have against this game is like the counter system, and that's about it. It's very much like Assassin's Creed style, but like a bit better. But that's about I would definitely it. say so. I mean, like, well, the, the thing about Assassin's Creed is you literally just wait for them to attack and you counter. Right. Uh, whereas with this one, you can you can actively engage. Like, I don't know, I, I I never really felt like you could like you could button mash in this game and you know not take a bunch of damage for it. Like you were punished for it. In my opinion, I mean, it depends on the difficulty you played on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I never had a, a problem with the combat. Uh, you know, I did. You know, in combat, and I mean, actually, this is the this is the father, not the father, but the. You know, kind of where the new Spider-Man, where they got their idea from for the combat for that, too. So, obviously, it works. I mean, it works. It just felt... I don't know. I don't know if it was because of how the powers worked or, like, what. I don't know. There was just something... It felt good, but, like, I felt it could be better. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Plus, I think these... Like, because you had more gadgets in this game, and you were... I think you were expected to use the gadgets more in fights. Mm, yeah probably like you know like i know people who never use the um oh what was the shotgun the shock gun what where you shoot the electrical ball out the one where it's like it's more it's a puzzle mechanic normally where you have to shoot the uh shoot the panels and it it electrocutes it and opens a door or close a door or something like that you can Mm. use that in combat too oh you can you and actually not only does it stun an enemy it actually causes them like especially if you do it to a big enemy it'll cause them to like spin around and hit the people around them so you can use it as like a fighting mechanic, you know, to do stuff like that. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Like the presentation was amazing. The voice acting was great. The music was great. Uh, I thought the story was good up until like the Hugo Strange, like kind of fight thing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and then just the overall gameplay of being Batman, like, you know, some yeah, sure. You got forced in the fight sometimes, but like, you know, sometimes when I would finally get into a fight, I feel rusty because I had been being i was such a good batman that i wasn't getting into fights you know what i'm saying i was stealthing around so much and using the fear mechanic and stuff like that that i really didn't that i really didn't fight all that much so i'll get into a fight and it would take me like you know maybe like you know 10 15 30 seconds to kind of get back into the swing of actually fighting you know so bye shout outs shout outs to them making uh calendar man and uh the mad hat are actually interesting yeah absolutely actually that's a good point <laughs> they actually they do take um you know they they take uh obscure characters and make them interesting and actually you know one thing like if you are a batman actual fan like a fan of batman um you will you know like actually not even just a batman fan right like i actually i think like a comic book fan or a dc comic fan uh you need to be for those Riddler trophies you really need to be because, I mean, do either of you know who Condiment King is? Like, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that, I'm pretty sure that was a Riddler trophy in uh, Arkham City and in Arkham Knight. Has something having to do with Condiment King. Like, if you read the you read the clue, and if you know the comics, um, you can like you can kind of put it together. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, there was some pretty obscure stuff. I mean, like, know. just the lore in the game alone. I have a couple of friends who are, are comic book nerds, but they don't really care about video games. And they'll play the Batman series because of just, like, all the stuff that's in it. Like, there's people that, you know, I knew people that I worked with that, you know how people, like, 
Madden is their sports game and Call of Duty is their other game that they play. These people would play like, I don't know, baseball as their sports game and then Batman as their like other game they played. And that's like all they would play. So it's, it's kind of crazy right. the amount of people that this game like brought into. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, that's the, that's the number one pick we got here. I know that's going to be a lot of people are like, well, Skyrim was better than that game. <laughs> you know? No, it's not. i I know that skyrim pick is gonna be that's gonna hurt some souls i'm I'm probably gonna get some text messages from some people that i know about that i d k i d g a f k oh there you go okay i don't know yeah okay Uh, i'm not i'm not hip anymore i'm dead i'm 30 i'm too old for this shit All right. So uh, with that, do you guys want to give some closing thoughts on this year? What do you what do you what, what would you think about 2011? I spent a lot of time in Minecraft. That was <laughs> the majority. That was your 2011? Oof, Minecraft and uh, Saints Row. To be fair, I was playing Minecraft before it officially came out. So a lot of games just came out this year that I was really into. So I just remember consistently playing games. I remember picking up those three games. Um, I didn't pick up Skyrim for myself, but Skyrim, Saints Row, and Marvel. I picked them all up at the same time at a midnight launch. Like it was, it was kind of big for me. Yeah, yeah. This was a big single player year. Mm-hmm. Like this was a lot of. I mean, I know Minecraft's multiplayer or whatever. Not, now, not yeah. now. Well, you, yeah, but like. It was, uh, I'm looking at our list and I'm like, single player kind of reigned in this year pretty well, which is surprising. Yeah, I mean, it was also the year of the sequel, right? I mean, you had Portal 2, Witcher 2, uh, Batman Arkham City, which is the two, Infamous 2, Little Big Planet 2, Dead Space 2, Crisis 2, you know? So uh, you had a bunch of, a bunch of two. I like, I like how you had to sneak in Crisis 2 just to mention Crisis. <laughs> I, I really enjoy <laughs> Crisis 2. There is a there is a disparity between people who either you liked Crisis One and you didn't like Crisis Two, or you liked Crisis Two and you didn't like Crisis One. <laughs> uh, but that there is actually uh, that's that's a podcast for a different time, one that we actually have recorded. To be honest with you, uh, and uh, I might as well get into the closing now. You know, since we're we're all all. Uh, listed out here so first of all i want to thank you guys for listening and uh you know we're always open uh for feedback so you can join our discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons uh you can reach out to us at contact at mash those or you can reach out to us on twitter at the mash network so you know you can tell us how wrong we were about not putting skyrim at number one or at least the higher spot like minecraft come on you know i know <laughs> that's a uh, they're coming, guys. They're coming. So they just both both rolled their eyes. So <laughs> you, uh, you guys can't see that. Uh, but I would like to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you guys very much for being supporters of the MASH Network. MASH those buttons. Uh, you know, because you guys were able to make content like this. And uh, if you are not a Patreon supporter, you can actually help support the network and our content for as little as $1 a month. And you will also receive Patreon bonuses, exclusive Patreon content. Like So for this show, um, fan-tier Patreons will receive the Honorable Mentions episode. So that's usually you know games that did not make the top 10, uh, but we still thought were good games. You know, We will you know, have an Honorable Mention show and talk about those games a little bit. I'm sure you will hear about Crisis 2 
on that show. Mike is rolling his <laughs> eyes. He doesn't want me to talk about Crisis 2 on honorable mentions. Okay? I don't like Crisis. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> crisis or Crisis 2? Either. There's a difference. Wow. Yeah, okay, no, either. I don't care. Both. Uh-huh. Well, if you're a patron, you'll, I'm sure you'll hear more about that. Uh, for supporters here, patrons, uh, you will receive the honorable mentions plus the draft episode. If you want to see how we came down to these 10 games, uh, that is the draft episode that you can listen to and that is available at the support tier. All right. Those are uh, juicy episodes, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things happening in those <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, not as polished as, as uh, these are, hopefully are. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but with that, thank you guys very much. Uh, we do appreciate you listening, and we will catch you on 2012. Later. Peace. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to subscribe to one of our shows, you can find us on multiple podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast platform, head over to mashthosebuttons.com, grab the RSS feed, and use it in your podcast platform of choice. We have shows for many different games, so if you want to check out some other podcasts you may enjoy, you should go to mashthosebuttons.com shows or stick around to hear about other shows that are available this week. Mash Those Buttons is an independent outlet that is supported by patrons. If you enjoy our content and want to help us grow, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com mashthosebuttons. Besides helping us expand our content, patrons gain early access to special content and also have access to exclusive supporter-only content. If you'd like to stay connected with Mash Those Buttons, you can follow us at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or we'd love to have you join our Discord community at discord.me slash Mash Those Buttons. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.